Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. It is fresh in the morning, Saturday. And I want you guys to listen to this. It's not a Saturday, but Saturdays are for the boys. And today's actually kind of a cool day, Josh. My home state, the Wisconsin Badgers, play your alma mater in a, a foosball game that Kent State's going to get absolutely demolished on national television. Congratulations, my friend. Yeah, I think the uh, point spreads what thirty five, something like that. So, yeah, not bad. yeah, so so I think uh, whoever the three or four people that tune into ESPN, you where the game is on, uh, you guys uh, are probably Wisconsin fans, not Kent State fans. So um, I'm going to be in a world of hurting today. So I might need a few uh, pints of ice cream or yeah. you know some beers or something like that to uh, drown my sorrows in. I'm always curious what Kent State does with like the two million dollars they make on this game or whatever Wisconsin pays them. <laughs> like I mean, you it didn't help your tuition by any means. So I don't know if, if the <laughs> campus has anything cool because of this, but it's, it's always interesting to see what those guys spend that money on. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I wish it would go to me. That would have been great. But uh, yeah, it goes to all those great building uh, improvements that uh, now all the students get to uh, enjoy. Yeah, that we didn't have when we were there. Uh, and students yeah. can enjoy a lot of cool stuff now. People get to enjoy a lot of cool stuff in 2019, almost 2020, which is absolutely crazy. But the topic of conversation on today's show really is surrounds this topic of fitness. And what does fitness look like here as we move into the you know, 2020, 2025, 2030, because even in the past couple of years, it's shifted dramatically. Um, you, you know, traditionally, people would work out in a gym, right? You get a gym membership, you do that. That is the, the traditional way to, I guess, approach fitness. And I don't think that changes. I think that stays, that type of fitness training will always be available in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think the way in which we consume that type of product is going to change like like the boutiques the niche type of of locations but we're very interested in like we live in this digital world digital era that we obviously have this digital platform of a podcast that everything is going that way and we've seen brands uh i guess come out do pretty well uh and and what some people are saying like is this the future of of working out is this what's going to be so josh you're uh you've covered a lot of this stuff actually on your channel for jay shaw consulting and i want to talk about a lot of things, but let's talk about the traditional like brick and mortar um, fitness model that we've we've been accustomed to knowing. Like I just went on the record saying I don't think it shifts or changed very much. How do you see the physical gyms and the physical fitness centers adapting to new technology and the new way we do things? I think you know for us to assume that the fitness and gym kind of world does not kind of follow a lot of what's happening in the world in general, so if we want to point to maybe like retail, mm -hmm. um, you have this kind of shift happening with the like the polar ends of, of kind of the positioning, pricing, or just offerings in terms of uh, how to differentiate yourself. So you have like the economical side, which in the gym sense, that's like Planet Fitness, which I think uh, works really well. We've talked about it on this podcast a ton of different times, just about how $10, set it and forget it. Yeah. And they just kind of continuously make that recurring revenue. And then you have kind of the opposite end of the spectrum is more of like the premium or luxury type of gym uh, aspects. And that's going to be, you know, the um, the boutique ones, like you talked right. about, um, even CrossFit kind of started that off where people were willing to pay $200 a month to go to a warehouse gym with some barbells and things. So that is kind of providing to me an experience. There's mm -hmm. a premium element into some of those gyms, um, that have baked into like the price point that makes sense. But then there's the opposite side where people are pricing in, 
kind of the experience piece of it. People are willing to spend more money to get a community aspect or some type of team building or whatever it is that they kind of get out of that experience. So you're going to have those types of um, things that are going to happen. And I think you're seeing that across all different areas in the economy right now. I also think you're going to see similar to what the retail world is happening with just technology where, um, you know, a Walmart can no longer just be analog Walmart. It has to be omni Walmart. It has to be, you know, frictionless in terms of when somebody wants to go in there, they have to be technologically advanced to offer what that customer wants when they want it in that store or maybe when they're at home. So gyms are going to have to start thinking similar to that. And I think that that's where a lot of this connected fitness stuff is going right now with the Pelotons and the fight camps or the mirrors or, or all those types of things. That's kind of fitting the overall need for those types of people. But I, smart gyms would, I mean, big ones are going to have to be big, obviously, to probably invest in this. But they can create an online, offline type of experience similar to Walmart. I just haven't really seen a lot of them dive deep into that. I know at Gold's Gym, they have like some apps that you can do some workouts maybe when you're on the road or, or things like that. But it's not like a full experience with equipment and on-demand classes and things that you could do at home. It is interesting because of the traditional retail or the traditional gym locations, physical locations. To your point, I think they do have to adapt and adopt the digital era in theirs. And whether it be, you know, if, if there are certain circuits or certain workouts that people go through, they connect and then their smartphone connects with that machine while they're doing their reps, it records it, it goes into a bigger community pool. You can see how you rate versus your peers. Make sort of more of a community. That's one thing about, you mentioned CrossFit. And CrossFit kind of came out of nowhere. Like it's been around for a while. But it really blew up because it was super easy to open a CrossFit gym. People wanted that sense of community. It was a niche, um, very inexpensive to start up. And, like, there's CrossFit gyms in almost every major city in the United States, I think, at this point. And that is a genre of fitness that's not for everybody, but I don't see that really going anywhere anytime soon. I think it keeps gaining in popularity. If anything, you see some of these CrossFit athletes getting some major endorsements from some big brands because they, they are physically fit. Like, Superior Netflix is doing documentaries on, on these fitness athletes in the world. So... Um, in terms of like the physical locations, to Josh's point, I think the middle is where that you see a fallout, right? So um, the Plant Fitness is at ten dollars a month. You can't compete with that, and honestly, it's not a bad gym. It's not a bad gym. It has what you need. You can do, and they their location of these Plant Fitnesses they're they're quite popular, especially in major metropolitan areas. Then you have like your Equinoxes or your Lifetime Fitnesses that offer sort of that status symbol, that premium experience. But the in between, the middle, and I've said this <clears throat> before. Like your LA fitnesses of the world, your crunch fitnesses of the world. There's nothing really special about these places. It's just a fifty to sixty dollar a month gym with equipment. Unless they're going to offer some type of value add or value proposition, you're gonna have to decide as a consumer, like, is it worth spending sixty bucks? Do I want the salon experience? Do I want the warm towel experience of a lifetime equinox? Or am I cool with just going in for a forty five minutes to an hour, getting a quick workout and then saving fifty bucks a month by, by spending ten bucks a month on Planet Fitness? The other area in which you're gonna see growth is these different um, like niche boutique locations. So you think of like your Orange Theories and some of these locations that have just a specific type of workout that they do. Um, you might see, you'll, you'll probably see more growth in that area because that's really when you think about opening a gym, you have to think differently and you have to have a point of differentiation and some value proposition in order to survive. And quite often that is like, what type of training are you offering your clients? Are you a boxing gym? Are you, like I said, are you an Orange Theory? Um, because I don't think it's going to be as easy as it once was, and it's not. So just open up a normal weight room and expect people to come. Unless you're the only weight room within 50 miles of, of like a major gym, then you might survive. But if, it, if location's not into your advantage, you're going to struggle, which is why people, I think, are turning to 
apps and at-home exercise equipment. So at-home exercise is not new. I, I, when we, we, we drew up this episode, I just all I could think about was Richard Simmons, you know, and like his, his, his VHS <laughs> tapes and all the stuff that like our parents would watch if they were into it. Like that was fitness before gyms became popular, but that model has not really shifted much. I mean, the way we consume that media has shifted. It's no longer on a VHS tape. It's through our smartphone. But the Richard Simmons concept from 1966 or whatever it was is still very relevant in 2020. I just actually, it's funny that you mentioned Richard Simmons. This is kind of similar to that. I just consumed a piece of content, I think, this week sometime on Inc., um, the magazine on, on their um, website. They had a video and a little bit of an article around how Jazzercise has survived 50 years or something since the creation of it. And it's come like through all these iterations and now it's like this new thing and, and whatever. But it's funny that, you know, these things have, have survived so long because those are kind of the trailblazers, I guess you could say in terms of like the connected fitness world, because mm -hmm. they were these at home, uh, VHS tapes, or I don't even know, beta tape. I don't know. Back, back then, this is this is dating us because we're, we're definitely not that old. But it's uh, that's kind of how it kind of moved into, you know, DVDs. And then now, obviously, everything's on our smartphones. And then it, now you have trackers and different um, type of, uh, you know, things you can wear that actually gives some right. data to how you're actually doing over just, hey, I think I'm sweating or, hey, I think I'm, I'm doing pretty well. And, and then that's unique in its sense in itself because a lot of people now are looking to get some actual like quantitative data behind what they're doing yep. and these connected fitness technologies allow you to get some type of quantitative data that you hopefully can maybe crunch down and figure out some different things about you especially if you're super nerdy about that kind of stuff it provides a really good value to you but going to just the traditional gym and just you know, going through the paces and, and, and thinking to yourself, hey, I, I think I did a pretty good job today or, hey, I really think I pushed myself. But did you really? Did you, you know, you don't really know exactly. And this kind of provides that ability to be able to be doing it in your home, which I think now with everybody being extremely busy in their schedule or everybody assuming they're they're busier than what they they were before, you can now crunch that exercise time into your just normal routine in between being a mom or running businesses or um, just whatever it is that you have on your day-to-day. -day. It kind of provides a bunch of different value points that is super unique to the kind of the analog old school gym experience of the past. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, just like how we bring the, I wouldn't say VHS was digital per se, but like, you know, it's the at-home stuff. But I mean, even like some of the ab crunch exercise DVDs and whatever you could buy or P90X like there was always a piece of equipment that you would buy that would be used in conjunction with the DVD in conjunction with the VHS that's no different than Peloton like Peloton is the same way like you buy the physical bike which is an investment I don't think they're cheap um, and then I believe it's a subscription model uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong um, on the content which is um, no different than sitting in your living room with that ab cruncher doing the ab exercises from the VHS except for your content is ever changing because you're paying a subscription model, and now you can do it in the comfort of your own home. You save the, the commute time to and from the gym. You're at, it's actually more safe because, you know, the chances of you being on the road, potentially getting in an accident. There's a lot of benefits to this at-home stuff. But when I first, like, I want to focus a little bit on Peloton. When I first saw Peloton, I said, well, first off, this has got to be an extremely expensive business venture because, A, there's inventory with all this equipment that they're doing, unless they have a partnership with a bike company, and you would know better than I do. Um, but I just remember seeing their physical retail location at Mall of America, and I thought, like, that can't be cheap. Like, that is not a cheap lease for what they're doing. And I don't think they've been profitable. 
yet to date, or maybe they have been, or no. getting not, not close. No, they haven't. Um, so, like, is that model sustainable? Like, is it possible to have that model and actually work, or is this just like trial and error? It was cool while it lasted, but eventually, it's probably going to fade out. Yeah, the the price of the bikes overall, I think, is maybe twelve hundred um, dollars, and then they have a treadmill, which is twenty five hundred dollars and then like as you said there's a subscription price that you get the on-demand um classes and, and different things like that i think it's maybe 40 or 50 bucks a month um so it's not a from the consumer side it's not cheap right. um but the equipment i don't know if when you were at the mall of america if you had a chance to at least uh, interact with it a little bit i've tried it a few times i don't i don't own one but mm-hmm. when i've been at certain hotels where they have the mat, I have jumped on because I'm like, hey, let me try this out because it's something kind of unique. And I've had a really great experience with the product. And I'm not somebody that takes group fitness classes. And I'm definitely not somebody that jumps on a normal standard standard bike and and just kind of jump on it and do that for 30 minutes. It's not something I normally do. But I enjoyed the experience that I got from taking a class and and being competitive and, and doing all those things. So that in itself somebody like me that wouldn't be a normal consumer of the product and interacting with it and then feeling like I was a fan of it, I think then that has a lot of runway because I think that nowadays people are really focused on experiences and getting something out of that. And if you could provide that, be it a fitness equipment, um, a retail experience, uh, whatever, it has runway to it. Now, there's always the opposite side of it. You have to manage your costs. Right. And I think that that's where this kind of all breaks down a little bit for Peloton, at least in the short term, because they have to get it up to scale where the content costs a lot of money. Like they're paying these really top trainers a lot of money right now. The more people they can get into these classes, the more per person, you know, the price drives down on the economics on there for them. Uh, they also are leasing different uh, retail locations and different things like that where eventually the brand supersedes the need to do a lot of those things and you can maybe not go to the Mall of America. Maybe you can find a a cheaper lease if you still wanted to do that or you just go straight direct to consumer because you've built it up Mm -hmm. for so much time. Uh, But there's so many other cost drivers, I think, on Peloton's business that have been restrictive for them right now, but they are a tech company at heart. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of costs that have been put into this product up front to get it going. And then now there's iterative type of advancements that hopefully when you get scale into the the system, it will kind of get all that out of it. It's kind of similar to a lot of the startups recently that you have to like super over invest at the beginning, get scale on the product, and then eventually you're able to make a profit on it. You know, even in Uber, like right now, I mean, think about how big of a, a impact that is to people's lives. That has never been profitable. Right. So it's it takes time. The bigger the idea, the bigger the concept, the longer it's going to take to become profitable. And I'm not advocating uh, anybody go out and buy Peloton right now because you can buy its publicly traded company right now. I think it went IPO'd maybe two weeks ago. Um, so you can't go out and buy this stock. I'm not saying that you should do that. Maybe you should wait to see what happens. But um, it's a very interesting business. And I think that it, for me, the product experience that I got out of it turned me into kind of a fan of it. I was like, Ooh, I mean, maybe I want to buy this one day. This would be great if they, you know, maybe came out with something that was more applicable to the way that I work out on a day-to-day basis. So that's the question. You had a good experience. Then are you willing to essentially invest in an initiation fee or an orientation fee that a gym would charge you of 1200 bucks or 2,500 bucks? 
that's the big question mark with stuff like that. It's a really cool concept, good idea, and I'd be interested to hear from our listeners too. Like, how many of you people actually, and, and probably in our our listening audience, more so than not, might own some home equipment, home home gym equipment uh, because of the space that we're in. But like the traditional people, like back in the day, it was pretty. I think it was pretty popular to see treadmills and like bikes and stuff in homes. Um, but now I don't see it as often. Like if you have equipment in your home, it's because you have a home gym and you spent a lot of money on that gym and that's where you work out. Because I think people still like this idea of getting away from their home and getting out of their home to going to an environment or a place of community, a place that um, preaches and, and wants you to have hard work. When it's just you in your home with a, with a, a non, non-connective piece of equipment. Let's, just, let's clarify that. Very difficult. Now, in this case, it's connective. Like, there, there's people that are pushing you. There's a community that you're going and you're, you're, you're being a part of. Um, but it's still an upfront investment that if I go to a Planet Fitness, there's a $0 initiation fee. If I go to an LA Fitness, maybe it's 50 bucks. You're asking me to invest 1200 bucks on a bike. Or if I'm a treadmill guy, I want 20, $25 upfront. It's still a big, big investment for a lot of people. And you know, Josh, as well as I know, that a lot of people who do maybe the cardio or the bike stuff, are going to be probably like first timers or, or newbies into into fitness, and they fall off the bandwagon pretty quickly. Like you look at the New Year's resolution and the gym memberships go up, and three weeks later they tailor down. So it's interesting. I think that is like a very cool, unique way to approach fitness. I think if you're going to sell home equipment, you have to have a connected subscription-based model and always ever change the content to make it valuable to the consumer. Um, but another, I guess, another part of that then too is like let's talk about Mirror for a second because. I mentioned to you before, I've seen their commercials, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what the fuck is this? Like, it's kind of creepy <laughs> for a second. But it's also like you're staring in a mirror, you're staring at a trainer, um, and it could be in your kitchen, it could be your living room, wherever you put it. Like, this concept I thought was fake. I thought it was a joke at first, and I thought maybe it was like a Kickstarter campaign, but this is as real as real can get. What do you know about mirror? And, like, what is that? Is this, is it, do you think it's going to be successful? I too had watched some of the commercials and at first I was like, what the heck is this? Like, is this a, this has to be a joke. Honestly, I was like, people hang a mirror up and then it just, uh, kind of holograms a trainer in front of you and it starts to, you know, put a bunch of, um, data and how well you're doing against the classes and, and, uh, the people that are also taking the on-demand uh, content, but it is a very real business and it is growing, um, substantially it's and it's actually even, it's even gotten such a popularity around it that there has been people taking some iterations to it. Like um, there's one specifically with um, a company called Tonal, which um, is basically like Mirror, but it also has a cable crossover with the um, okay. with the Mirror aspect of it. So you have um, you have basically like the weight training aspect of it. But you're also having the trainer in front of you doing those types of things. So it has to become as popular to the point where people feel like they need to copy it and make advancements to it. So I think we definitely, you and I, had underestimated Mirror specifically because I think it uh, it's starting to do a lot better than what we initially thought. It's as, I mean, I, I just looked it up real quick here. And their, their flagship store is in New York City. I'm going to New York on Monday. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go check it out. Like I'm going to make a point to go to this store and actually talk with sales reps there. Um, and the cost of the mirror is 1500 bucks. It looks like you can do it. Um, and then there's a $39 a month subscription fee. So your upfront cost is 1500, $39 a month subscription fee. But yeah, it's a legit mirror that just hangs on the wall. Like it, it can legitimately just be reflective content until you turn it on. Um, okay. I mean, I'm very interested in just like interacting with this piece of equipment to see like, is it for, for me, it's not for me. 
like I need the iron, I need the weight room, I need the gym. But I think for for especially like moms and women and even like guys who have a very busy schedule, it might be a really solid option. And and actually in the scheme of things, like we're talking about Peloton at twelve hundred, twenty five hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks. That's not that expensive. I mean, that's uh, home gym costs way more. And if you're getting content each month that's different and it's changing things up, it can make it fun. Um, I think that's a really cool, a really cool thing. It's just, it's just weird. It's different. I just, you it, know, t- five years ago, it, if you told me like the future of fitness was you'd be looking into a mirror at a trainer and that's what you're gonna be doing, I've been like, no, you're not. That's not gonna be a thing. <laughs> and here we are. It's legitimately reality in 2019. Yeah, it might be showing our, our ignorance to this because I'm starting to think when, when you're talking about it, I'm thinking, well, what, what makes this much different than having these classes on demand on your yeah. um, $600 or $1,000 um, TV that right. also does a bunch of other things? It's, it's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I, that's me not knowing the product and I've not tried the product. I know when we initially uh, talked about this and you brought it up to me, I reached out to uh, Mirror and was trying to get some senior leadership to make some comments because I was yeah. just interested in their on the business side of it. I didn't really think too much into the product side of it because I hadn't interacted with it or thought to uh, check it out too far. But I think that it would be super interesting for you to get um, some in-store um, thoughts on it just to kind of see what it is because I think that people, a lot of people maybe listening to this might not even know what the heck Mirror is. Or they might not have seen those commercials. No. So this might be a completely new experience for them. Yeah, and it's like, and, and I'm just, again, looking at some of the, the variables and workouts. Like they have everything from kickboxing to boxing to cardio, pre and postnatal. Like they have very specific type <laughs> workouts that's genius, actually. They have weight training workouts. So um, I'm going to bring a camera with me and I'm going to say, can I, can I film in this store? Because I'd like to get some content and see some of it because I'm very interested in this. Because I'm also interested, like, are these at-home solutions also feasible to put into a physical gym? Like you mentioned, you were, at a, you were at a hotel that had the Peloton equipment. I think that's brilliant. Would a gym do it? Would a gym be willing to put in like a row of Peloton bikes for their, for their gym goers? Because that's a point of differentiation. Like we, our bikes here have classes. So instead of you going out and physically hiring a spin instructor, you have all the bikes right there. You get a, maybe a bulk discount on a subscription model because you're a gym. Could be more beneficial for the gym. So like, I think there's some synergies with some of these futuristic ideas that could actually be embedded into what we consider like traditional. Um, and I think there's, there's an opportunity there. I know like I'm moving apartments in a couple months and I know the one that I'm moving into, they specifically are going to have a studio in the gym area of the community property that has a ton of Pelotons and that's going to be kind of that area to, to not have to hire like group fitness instructors. They can just basically put all those up there, those connected fitness, um, piece of equipment. And then essentially you can create your own organic classes or just kind of do your own thing at the time. So I know at least in that application, people are already thinking that way. It might be the same for a, for a gym. I don't know what the cost of economics over time, like having to pay a group fitness instructor, have to constantly have to go out there and source them. If there's turnover, I don't know any of those kinds of things, but it might make sense like long-term, especially if these Peloton bikes, um, I don't know if they're commercially built like to sustain then maybe the type of um, usage at a gym but if it is and you can get the same amount of life cycle that you get a traditional uh, spin bike on it it might make sense over time i just you know i have to do the math in my head uh, and it's a little bit (laughs) a little bit too tough for me right now but it's morning time as people uh, had heard earlier today (laughs) um when we talked about the mirror I initially was thinking a little bit about maybe in the future it starts to maybe project 
something out like in an augmented reality sense, mm-hmm. like to gamify the workout right. and like in the sense of like you remember Pokemon Go, that was kind of like the first like AR gamify type of thing where we had on our phone where people were going out there and like literally like getting out and being active. It was unique in the sense that for me, I was like, man, this is something that a fitness company should be really watching because all of a sudden people are going out and like going to parks and they're walking around and they're doing all this exercise just to go out and find a Pokemon or whatever. I don't, I don't know that kind of stuff, but I think that in the sense of like a mirror, like that, projecting things out in your living room that maybe you have to jump over or you climb under or whatever it is. It kind of like creates faux equipment that is there in your thing that you don't have to go out and buy, not a physical thing that you have to put away each time. And, you know, if you have family or whatever, that it's going to get in the way of your family room or, or things. So I think that's kind of unique that it could happen. I don't know if that is something that's on their product dev map or not, um, but it kind of transitions into one of the last areas like future wise we're talking about future fitness is around like virtual reality yeah. and that is when things get a little bit uh jetsons for people they start to uh freak out a little bit because you are putting on right now you'd have to put on like a headset uh but eventually maybe it's just a lens or or something like that that's embedded into you where you're actually able to take classes in a different reality, in a different world. And people that are listening to this are probably like, it's crazy, it's not gonna happen, whatever. But there are startups that are already doing that. And one, to bring it really close to home for everybody, is that the founder, co-founder of bodybuilding.com has a virtual reality startup in the fitness world called Black Box VR. So somebody can look that up. Ryan DeLuca and a few other people had kind of started that a couple years ago after he'd left bodybuilding.com. And now that is um, opening up gym locations. I think there's one in Boise where they're they're headquartered at. Um, also in San Francisco, it just makes sense for being in the epicenter of technology. Right. But it is starting to take form, this VR reality type of world where you're going to be working out in a completely different um, reality around you. It's going to be completely unique. It could be completely personalized to what you're looking for and it could change like a video game and this kind of we, we mentioned this before at least i know that i mentioned on our, our podcast on esports but I, where i thought the esports and the olympics go and i thought that esports goes virtual reality and it becomes this mashup of actual physical activity but also a game within that so it's not just joysticks it's VR, it's moving around, it's it's doing physical activity, but within a game sense. Yeah. So, I don't know if you have you noticed any of that stuff with Black Box VR. I, just, I, I follow Ryan on LinkedIn. Yeah, so I've been watching his his progress for the last couple of years on it, and I think it's genius. I think it's cool. Um, I mean, they have like you said, two gyms right now, Boise and San Francisco. Uh, this requires people to actually go into a gym because it's set up specifically for the programs that the the, the VR virtual reality headset was designed to do, but. That is an experience in itself. Like you see, airports have virtual reality like hubs now that people can go and spend time doing it. Like VR, um, you know, when Samsung came out with like the headset with their phones with virtual reality, and like people started kind of getting on that. And it's still very, it's still very new, even though it's been kind of around for several years. It's still very new and fresh. Um, after they are able to a make that headset smaller, first off, I think I mean it's going to help a lot. But this idea of like you know what you want to work out. Um, you know, in the Egyptian pyramids or whatever, you can do it. Like, it can take you there and place you in that environment. You want to work out, 
at uh, you want to work out at Gold's Gym Venice, you can do it in Boise, Idaho. You want to work out at Muscle Beach, you can do it in Boise, Idaho. So these are things that people are going to be able to do, if, assuming they program it in the system. But or if you want to work out on Mars or whatever it might be. But like it's it, there will be a time where it's not just requiring you to go to a gym. Like you'll bring home a virtual reality set. It'll scan your living room or whatever you whatever you decide to put the box up in to understand the obstacles. And then what it'll do is it's going to translate those obstacles into useful forms of fitness for you. So maybe you're doing incline push-ups off the couch. If the couch is a platform that this VR box or whatever it might be recognizes that. And it designs a program specifically tailored to your living room or the space that you put it in. Like that's where I think it's going to go. I definitely think that we have so much tech and software now that can essentially, like when you design a home, for instance, home, home interior decorating, you put your phone in the middle of the room, it'll scan the room. And then you can literally build your, your entire thing because it already knows what your room looks like. Why can't we adapt that type of technology into VR or into fitness? We absolutely can. So I think depending on what you do, um, you know, in the future, I think VR or that type of thing for at home is going to, going to happen and then allow you to kind of like change through different environments. But again, utilizing the environment in which it's set up. Like I, I personally think with black box VR being sort of spearheading this movement maybe in fitness, 20 years from now, it's not out of the question that you bring home a box or you bring home whatever it might be. I don't know if boxes are going to exist. It's just going to scan the room and say, okay, we're going to build a gym in this VR platform, put these goggles on or a contact lens or whatever it is, knock yourself out. Consumer VR has been around, but it's still very, like, it's going to take some time. And I think a lot of it comes down to the hardware around it, like we were, we were mentioning. Um, on the corporate side, like VR has been used extensively. It's mm. where a lot of the investment and a lot of the money is getting made on uh, VR. But in the consumer side, it's still it takes a lot of time for people to kind of wrap their heads around something kind of really crazy like that. But I know that a lot of uh, people are, are thinking about it. A lot of people are thinking about what's that next um, reality that we're going to be kind of interacting with. Are we going to know the difference between, um, you know, first world and second world or third world or whatever, kind of when you want to think about it. But it's, um, to me, I'm a futurist in a sense. So I, I find that stuff super interesting. A lot of people think maybe that's the end of the world where <laughs> robots and, and uh, machines are going to start to, uh, to take us over and do whatever. Maybe that's a good workout though. We'd have to battle the robots. That, that, um, that could be the future. <laughs> that could be the future. But I mean, I do like, uh, you know, to, to, to wrap up this episode, this whole idea of gamification and when you brought Pokemon Go, like it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And the amount of people that you saw out and about walking, if you looked at the people, this is not uh, trying to be rude at all, but if you looked at those people that the majority of the people playing Pokemon Go, they were not gym goers. They were not people who believed in physical fitness. Like they, their bodies did not show that. But it was so refreshing to see them find something that allowed them to get out and just do something physical, get their ass off the couch and go. I don't care if it's capturing Pokemon or not. I don't give a shit what it's doing as long as it's doing something like that was absolutely brilliant and i i to your point like i'm shocked we haven't seen more of that yet like i'm shocked somebody hasn't hadn't looked at pokemon go from nintendo and be like how can i make money on this in a fitness sense like what can we do what you know make them do you know, walk a half mile and 10 push-ups and it unlocks x like that should be here already and it's not and it surprises the shit out of me that it's not and i bet you uh, two years from this podcast it'll be like the popular thing to do but i think that is the, really a way to attract new users into this world of fitness because otherwise they're never going to have the balls to get up off the couch and go into a gym because it just doesn't interest them. They don't care. But if they can have fun while doing it, while capturing Pokemon or whatever it is, it's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think it was one of the best invention, like game inventions of all time. In the history of, of game, gaming, Like it was one of the best, if not the best ever that I've ever seen. We should give Nintendo the Fitness Company of the Year award. <laughs> done done two guys <laughs> one shaker cup right here fitness company of the year goes to nintendo 
those sons of bitches <laughs> did, did it right. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments on this episode, love to hear what you guys think uh, the future of fitness is going to be. If you've played Pokemon Go, if you've gotten the workout from some other unique, different niche type things, if you've done the black box VR thing before, um, go ahead and hit us up on Facebook. We're at Two Guys One Shaker Cup. Make sure you follow us on our social channels and make sure you subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and we're on YouTube if you want to look at our pretty little faces as well. Um, until next time, hopefully the Badgers win by 60. And uh, we can have a conversation about that in the future, Josh, because that's futuristic conversation. But I can tell the future, and the future is uh, we're not going to win by 60. We're going to win. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.